This is Hope FM. Well, my very special guest today, as you heard me saying at the top of the programme, is is Pete Bryan. Uh, so good morning to you, Pete. Morning, Blair. Uh, and uh, welcome to our, our humble studios. Thank you for having me. Now, you're OK about me doing This Is Your Life, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got the book, you know, but I do I do have the notes. So let, let's talk. I mean, you, you, you and, uh, and your wife, Gaynor, uh, uh, and your family have a quite a journey. But let's start with you at the very beginning, um, because you... you, you in the early days, you you didn't have any any faith, did you? No, no. I was born in Bournemouth um, uh, in the fifties, late fifties, and uh, really brought up. Um, yeah, I went to church like a lot of our generation did, but stopped going when parents stopped going at probably the age of about I don't know ten or eleven, and um, yeah, really had no faith at all. Uh, went off to work locally, went off to university. Um, what did you study? Uh, I did physical education and um, up in Liverpool. And I remember then uh, Christian Union knocking on the door, but I wasn't interested at all and um, just lived my life up there. I did actually uh, uh, get married, first of all, up there and uh, have got our David and Claire um, from that marriage and then um, came back to Fernsine Sports Centre and started my work in the leisure industry. So, I mean, of course, that that was quite a career in the leisure, leisure industry and I imagine, of course, uh, uh, quite a demanding one as well. Yeah, I loved it. I actually said that, I mean, I went on to be at Little Down for over 20 years and um, it was my perfect job. Uh, it My whole passion for seeing people do physical activity um, has, has never waned. And um, before that, I actually went up to the Midlands and worked um, in um, uh, up at, in Ashby de la Zouche uh, in in Leicestershire, northwest Leicestershire. And um, yeah, so and it was there really that my whole life took a real turn. As you look back, you know, on those days, you know, when you went to church and uh, did you go to Sunday school and all yeah, that sort of thing? Yeah, like, like we did, I, I did. You know, yeah. Uh, but as you look back, I mean, I know you said that. At the time, nothing really came together. But as you look back, do you think any of those early days remained? Did, did, did anything go in that you can recall? I think, um, I think, I think there was always that awareness that God existed, who He was, how He operated. I didn't really give time to or think, and certainly the way I lived didn't. Uh, didn't show evidence of that whatsoever. Now, of course, that would resonate with a lot of people today, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, a lot of people get, well, I, I suppose they get concerned if they have faith about their children maybe no longer going to church. And, and of course, you know, very often, you know, young people maybe start going with parents to, to worship and so on, but then for whatever reason, university or whatever gets in the way, then they they they, they stop going. But I, I guess that your story is going to give us a wee bit of hope as to how God can amazingly work. Uh, well, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so there you are, um, uh, no faith, starting starting your, your, your career. And what happened then to to somehow change your direction? So uh, late 86, um, my mum my mum died very tragically, very tragic circumstances. And uh, and then in 1987, my marriage break up, broke up. Um, and my two children went over to Northern Ireland um, to live with their mum. And so I was on my own. And uh, one night, very vividly, I prayed, God, if you exist please show yourself to me and um and nothing happened but about three weeks later i'd um i I just dropped gainer off at her mum's house in uh wales in cardiff and i was on i went on and um was was in a friend's house near swansea and i just had the most extraordinary experience come over me and i said john i don't know what's happening but i feel weird and was john a christian john wasn't a christian no that was John Weaver, who um, has puts the Air Festival on and uh, has been a close friend for many, many years. But yeah, that was a significant moment, I think. So how would you describe it, the experience? It wasn't, it, it was an anxiety, really. It was as though um, I know that I was always very much in control of my life and lived it as exactly as I wanted. And I knew, in hindsight, I can see that God needed to shake me up to say, look, here I am, and that's what happened. I 
really uh, struggled. Um, as a result, my dad said to me, give me one good reason why you don't just pack it all in and go off traveling, which in 1987, 1988 was not that usual. So I said to Gaynor, how do you fancy um, going traveling with me? And she said... Is she your girlfriend at the time? She was. We just started seeing each other, just, um, in um, late 1987. And uh, she said, yeah, I'll come with you. So we both resigned our jobs. And in March 1988, we went off traveling around North America for, for five months. I'm thinking, you know, that to boldly go where <laughs> no one was gone before. And, and what about Gaynor? I mean, obviously, um, she was your girlfriend. How did you meet? So because she worked at another leisure centre in, um, she worked in Colville in, uh, again, in northwest Leicestershire. And... Um, yeah, I mean, we were, we were just good friends. We'd known each other for about a year. And, um, yeah, we were just part of the group that went out, all the staff over the Hood Park Leisure Centre in Ashby and uh, uh, Whittock Leisure Centre. We, we, we sort of went out together as a group. And um, gradually, as I say, it was probably about three or four months after my marriage had broken down, Gaynor and I just got together. Great. So off you do, pack your bags, and uh, quite a bold thing to do at, at that yeah, time. Yeah, I had to sell my house as well, and I used the money from the sale of the house, and um, I actually cashed my pension in as well, which is not a wise bit of uh, <laughs> advice. But uh, And off we went. Off we went travelling. Um, so where did you go? So we landed in New York. Show our naivety. We had absolutely nowhere to stay, and somebody on the plane, a New York uh, girl, said, well, you can come and stay in my... Uh, room if you want to at uni which we did so that shows you how ill prepared we were um and in the end we traveled 37 states of america gosh what, I mean, what an adventure you know it, absolutely and met amazing people i mean tell us some of the the encounters that you had you know on those travels so so one of the most extraordinary was a guy who we met in dallas and um i can't even remember his name now but he saw a Welsh was flag. Was it Ewing at all? <laughs> well, it was, it was 88, so it was at that time. Yeah, so it could and, well um, have been. <laughs> uh, Clarence Heim, his name was. There we are. That's from the memory. Clarence saw Gaynor's Welsh dragon on the back of her backpack, and he said um, that he'd been to Bala. Fantastic holiday. And he said, come up to my office, and I'll drop you out to where you're staying. So we turned up at the Thanksgiving Tower, 37th floor is where he worked, took the lift, and as the lift opened, there were two bedraggled backpackers. And the receptionist looked at us and just said, can I help you? And we said, we've come to see Clarence Heim. We didn't know who he was. <laughs> and um, he was uh, president of Bear Stearns, the stockbrokers, <laughs> and took us into his office and introduced us to all the team. Most extraordinary. And he looked after us for that weekend. And that showed amazing love and hospitality to Two unknowns, really. Fantastic, but, but what a great adventure! Scary on one level, actually, yeah, because absolutely. but 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 also, I guess uh, adventurous. And you, you, it's sort of on the edge sort of stuff, isn't it? It is, and because we'd um, Gaynor and I had started going to a um, a church in Ashby before we left, we actually went into different churches every Sunday morning, and they would ask you you'd fill out a form to say yeah, you were a visitor. And you'd hand that in with the collection. And they'd obviously read that. In the middle of this massive church, they'd suddenly say, we've got such and such from Dakota, and, and we've got Pete and Gaynor from England. Stand up. Well, we were absolutely, um, <laughs> we were the centre of attention, and we were often taken out for meals. So how did your, your faith develop on those journeys? So meeting different people, um, I... I I probably would say that I wasn't a Christian then, but we were exploring. Um, and it was actually when we came back, um, I met uh, somebody who used to come to Ferndown Sports Centre, a chap called Andy Gale, who uh, I know still worships locally. And he said, um, well, why don't you come along with us to, uh, to the Mordown Baptist Church, which Gaynor and I did. And one evening um, in November... 1988 I was listening to Peter Williams and I felt an incredible peace come right over me and I would say that's the moment that that I became a Christian um, and what about Gaynor? Gaynor likens her 
change, her conversion to being, whereas she could see the change in my life, she rather refers to it as like being on a, on a train, on a night journey, that she doesn't know exactly when she crossed the border, but she knew that she had crossed the border. And uh, in 1991 at Lansdowne, um, we made that commitment that we would be baptised. And were you baptised together? We were. And, and then, of course, uh, that romance was to blossom even further. And you married that young lady. We did indeed. We did indeed. And uh, can I just give you one quick story? As I moved out of St. Helens um, when I finished my degree, my brother came up um, to pick me up. And as we were unpacking the flat, there was a knock at the door. And a chap stood there with his Bible reading scripture. Now, I wasn't a Christian at all. (laughs) And I burst out laughing. And uh, the chap put his Bible away. And he said, where are you moving to? Uh, And I said, Bournemouth. So he said, Lansdowne Baptist Church, that's the place for you. Bye. And I shut the door and I looked at my brother and I said, what was that all about? And uh, eventually we came to Lansdowne. We were baptised, we got married there, and we've been there for 30 years. And why, why did you laugh? Was it, was it because, I mean, you're, were you laughing in ridicule, or were you laughing because you thought, goodness, God really is out to get me? I'd, no, this was before, uh, this was before I'd, I'd um, when I lived in Ashby. Okay. Uh, sorry, yeah, this so was the very early days. Very yeah. early days. Yeah. So, <laughs> humbly, I have to say it was probably ridicule. <laughs> but obviously God was out to get you. God was working. Mm-hmm. Well, let's have, uh, let's have your first piece of music. Now, this is significant, uh, not only uh, because it has a Welsh connection. We're going to be uh, here, the, a Welsh male voice choir. Uh, but, uh, but also, of course, because it has those romantic memories as well. Yeah, it's um, it's probably different to the rest of the songs I've chosen, but it had to start. It was one from our wedding uh, 30 years ago, um, which we've just celebrated, How Great Thou Art. And because Gaynor is Welsh, um, the Welsh um, male voice choir is an ideal uh, scenario, setting to, uh, to have it sung. So we're the male voice choir there present uh, on the day. <laughs> you, got, you got married in Lansdowne, yes? Yeah, we did. Steve Brady married us. Um, bless him. Now, of course, that that word to you, Lansdowne, is the place for you. Mm. Uh, actually, uh, uh, all those years ago, long before you became a Christian, actually almost became a... Well, it was a prophecy, wasn't it? Because you did... Can you remember your very first day at turning up at Lansdowne? Uh, vaguely, yeah. Um, it was uh, friends of ours uh, said, oh, we were more down together. We'd been there for, yeah, um, probably about 18 months. And then um, they just said, we're going down to Lansdowne. Do you want to come down? And we listened to Steve Brady speaking. And Was he um, still telling jokes in those days? He was. Mm. <laughs> and it was it was wonderful. And we we stayed at Lansdowne. And you're still there. And, and we in, are fact, still no, in fact, not only are you still there, but you're on the eldership team. Well, there is our yeah, leadership team. Yeah, absolutely. And 30 years of yeah, we, we're no longer the new boys and all the new people there. <laughs> so what was it? What was it then? Uh, then harder things develop, you know, uh, in terms of understanding more about your faith. And, and obviously, Gaynor herself became a Christian. She did. And um, yeah, I was quite poorly, actually. Um for a while and uh, I applied to Little Down this was at the end of 88 and um, actually started working there um, and and I think uh, as I would always say when as it, our Christian journey is two steps forward one step back you can't expect uh, things to just go very very smoothly and I think um, for me personally I mean I struggle with uh, with different issues um, God has helped me through those issues and uh, on a day-by-day basis. And I cling to that 
to that hope that he refines us day by day through all our experiences and through uh, being with him, praying with him and reading. And um, that's the great encouragement that, um, that he is transforming us and uh, making us into Christ's image. And, of course, uh, you went on to, to, as you say, manage the Little Dance Centre, which, yeah. which, which in fact was and still is one of the most successful leisure centres uh, in the United Kingdom, never yeah. mind any, anywhere else. You loved that job, didn't you? I did love that job because it was in my hometown. Um, I had a great opportunity to encourage people to get them into uh, physical health as well as spiritual health. You know, I felt God had placed me there. Um, and it, what, what was interesting is I left in the mid-90s, um, went and joined a private sector company, uh, DC Leisure as it was called then. Um, but, but then was invited to come back to Little Down. I was asked, would I come back in? I came back in um, as a deputy manager. And within three or four months, I was actually managing the place. So that was in early 98. And I felt God had really opened the door and put me there. Um, and therefore, I had, the, I had that opportunity to lead, uh, as a Christian, a big organization, um, as, all, as well as having uh, the passion to see people doing physical activity. And of course, we, we, you know, we hear about people who you know, want to do ministry and so on. And sometimes they think of that as the church or yep. the mission field. But I guess that for many people, and certainly this included you, that your mission field uh, was the leisure industry, was Little Down Centre and everywhere else where you've met. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that is just as important as as, uh, as the established church or indeed, you know, any of the Christian organisations are, are on the mission field. It, it, it's not to be devalued, is it? No, and, and the way in which you conduct yourself, the way in which you look after people and care for people uh, and do your best for them and serve them. You know, one of my great beliefs was that in a, in a, in a sort of a, uh, a structure, in, when, when you're leading an organisation, you have even more responsibility to serve than, than those on the front line. Yeah. How many staff did you have at Little Down? Well, at Little Down itself was about, with all the part-timers and casual staff, was about 400. But um, across the uh, all the sites that we eventually ended up running, um, you're looking at about, uh, I think it was about 550, something like that, 600 staff. Mm. So it was great. It was... Um, and what, what would you put the success down to? Because, I mean, obviously, leisure centres now, I mean, they, they, many of them struggle. You know, and so on, and of course, they need subsidy. You know, uh, as well, and uh, and so on. But what what was the recipe for success in terms of Little Down? I think the design of it to start with was superb. It was different. There was uh, incredible forward thinking to get a facility that was just so open and welcoming, without turnstiles or barriers. That was uh, so key. Um, I think it's timing in terms of. Leisure was just beginning to open up uh, in the late 1980s, early 1990s. There wasn't a lot of private competition around, so that was a real help. And above all, the team that we had um, in my years at Little Down was just wonderful. Key staff that knew exactly what they were doing, had that real passion as well to, uh, to see people doing seeing the kids doing activities and, uh, and, and seeing people in yeah, physical activity was just wonderful. Well, let's have your next uh, piece of music. Something completely different uh, this time, uh, uh, Tim Hughes. Happy Day. Yep. Why this one? So, Greatest Day in History by Tim Hughes, Happy Day, was such a uh, significant memory song from Spring Harvest. And uh, this was something that the family did year after year. We went with large groups we managed to take in 2012 110 people from Lansdowne and um, it, it was just such a great time such a laugh it was it was learning to be with God it was fun and it was safe and uh, it's just great memories This is Hope FM 
Well, my very special guest is uh, Pete Brown. And, uh, I mean, obviously, the, the, all of our music choices today are out of the Christian stable and so on. But, of course, you tell me, a little bird has told me, that one of your, uh, your fellow leaders uh, down at Lansdowne has said that there's something else that you should be playing or talking to me about. What would that be? Uh, when, uh, do you know, looking back at, at uh, some of my earlier days, I can remember vividly, I, I bought a yellow Mini with a sunshine roof and uh, and I used to drive along in that mass with the big sunshine roof opened up and um, and there was one occasion I was driving down through Old Christchurch Road sun was shining and uh, radio was on and it was one of my favourite songs which was Echo Beach Martha and the Muffins and um, it's just got a real feeling of freedom I had a couple of uh, fret mates in the car and we were singing along and so uh, when I chatted with Martin this morning, he said, Pete, you should have had Echo Beach on there. And um, so... Uh, well, Martin, that's, that's a, good, a good bit of advice. So shall we all jump into that mini then? <laughs> and take ourselves down to Echo Beach. Excellent. <laughs> Oh, remember Martha and the muffins? Uh, well, Pete certainly does, yeah, as he was driving along uh, in his car, so glad that we were able to get that fitted in. So there you were, um, you, you made your commitment and, and so on. What were the early days of the, of the journey like for you and, and Gaynor? I think, I think busy is probably the best way to describe it. Um, you know, we, had, we were married in uh, 1991, um, in October 91 Sam was born about nine months and two days later um, in 1992 um, David from my first marriage came to live with us straight away that Sam was born so he was 11 and suddenly we had a ready-made family we were involved in church um, doing Alpha leading Alpha at the time and uh, involvement in small groups and of course then there was Little Down with um, for those who worked in the leisure industry, it's it's fully consuming. Uh, you don't leave at five o'clock because that's when everybody pours into the building. So uh, it's late late working for most of the team, and um, so yeah, life was incredibly busy. But then we were younger; we had the capacity to deal with it. Um, but yeah, and and God was teaching us. We were making mistakes. When I look back at my early days and just how raw we were, we were still living life maybe not as we should have done but gradually things were changing but i guess that one of the the encouraging things about any anyone's story is how god with all of us in, in the midst of a of sometimes chaos busy lives as going the wrong direction messing up and whatever that it's isn't it really quite incredible how right in the middle of all of that that, that god is working all the way through it, connecting us to people, even using the negative experiences in our lives. I mean, I know that you said right at the beginning of the program that you, that you, your first marriage ha- hadn't worked, and so on, and you had you had two children from that yeah. that marriage. But of course, as you look back on it now, it must have been such an encouragement to see how God redeemed that situation. Yeah, you know, and the, the both of your children from that marriage are actually now. Uh, professing Christians well I think you know Romans 8 is God works for the good in all those who who trust him and uh, we go through real trials and tribulation and uh, where I guess we all at times say why why is this Lord and I met up with uh, you know I used to meet regularly with a friend and we used to call it the added layers of complication you know we could be going through real tough times as we have done but then it's when you get additional layers of complication on top of that you can get to a point where you think surely Lord enough's enough but you know our Lord Jesus he died on that cross he knows what the, the the suffering and pain is all about and um by grace he guides us through leads us and uh, gives us that strength to be able to cope 
And of course, here you are on the radio uh, sharing it. And I'm quite sure that there might be quite a lot of people who are hearing your your story, and there's a lot more to come. But we'll be we'll we'll be touched because they'll it'll be touching areas you know in their in their own lives. I guess you must have been very conscious because having worked pretty much, I hate the word secular, you know, because because mm. but you know what I mean. Yeah. But not not working in the church as it were, apart from voluntarily, um, that uh, it. You know, just to know that God is using you in those situations, like God using you in the Little Dance Centre, uh, in the midst of all of that, it m- must in itself be quite an encouragement. I didn't really struggle with stress in that role, even though the demands were huge, because I always felt as though God was leading me through every situation. And we had challenges. Some people may remember the pool being shut because of it having a refurbishment that failed. You know, and I would be stopped in queues in the supermarket saying, when are you going to get that pool back into operation? It was a big deal then in 1999. Um, But it was about trusting and saying, "Okay, this hasn't worked, but God will lead us through. And he did. And and as you were there as manager, did did people know about your faith? Did did you have experience where they said, Peter, there's something different about you, mate? I think they knew. They knew, yeah, that my faith was what drove me and that's what I stood for. And um, I had a number of opportunities to to share what I believe. People said to me, why do you believe what you do? Um, But also I hope in in the way in which I came across is, is... is genuinely trying to care for people. I always felt that that um, looking after, the responsibility of looking after those staff who then represented and earned for their families was really key. Um, a lot of families depended on the incomes that, that the team were earning. If you were giving advice to people right now, because obviously all of this started uh, with you, uh, you know, eventually getting to the point of saying, God, if you're there, yeah. <laughs> you know, if there's somebody right at that point right now, we're not, maybe not even sure whether there's a God or not. What would you be saying to them? Well, f- firstly, there is. It is true. I mean, having uh, having looked at the Bible, studied the Bible for for 30 years. It's even more perfect than I thought it was. Um in addition to that, I, I've watched the videos. I don't know whether it's been talked about before, but Bible Project on YouTube, which is an amazing resource. It's um, about 180 videos that are of the Bible. And it just pulls it all together. It just summarizes those various books of the Bible. And you just realize how perfectly written and how dovetailed it is. And what God is saying is that to He's trying to um, redeem us back to him. You know, he, Jesus died on that cross for us so that we as, a, as, a, as humanity can come back into relationship with him. And that, that grace, we don't need to do anything else but just trust him, is amazing. Well, let's have your next piece of music, which pretty much comes on the back of what you've just said, Rule in My Heart. Why, why this one? Rule in My Heart Forever is by Beth Croft. Beth Croft, who some will know, was part of Soul Survivor and is still part of Soul Survivor. Soul Survivor Church in Watford was so significant for our youngsters, for our children. Um, We've actually, uh, years ago, about 100 youngsters went from Lansdowne and also about 100 went from Twynham School, where our kids were at school. Um, and it was one of those events when, um, when our young people were being baptised, so often they would say that it was significant events like Spring Harvest, Soul Survivor, that really impacted them. And... Um, our kids really benefited from Soul Survivor, the uh, the camps that they went on. And um, eventually Kerry was to go and join Soul Survivor on their uh, Soul 61 training program. Beth Croft was there and um, it's just very dear to us.
Well, that's uh, Beth uh, Croft there with Rule uh, in My Heart. Now, of course, you know, with all of your children and, and, and even with, you know, with children and young people generally, I know that you feel very strongly about about the role that the church has to play in that and yep. and it's very close and of course Lansdowne did make a very big difference to not only your growth but the but the growth the spiritual growth of your children and the events that they went to yeah and i think um we we were living we now live in tuckton we lived in um Burton and then Branscore and we had to make a decision about where we lived and we actually came into Tuckton to be closer to Lansdowne because the youth groups were so strong and uh, we look at uh, our children going through uh, the the youth groups. They wanted to be there. We never had to twist their arms and say, look, you've got to go to church. They were happy to go. They used to go in the mornings. Um, and then we, we'd go along in the evening. And they always wanted to come along because they had um, stuff with their own age groups in the evening. And um, it was part of their lives. And, uh, and I always remember... Uh, feedback from one of those soul survivor groups uh, where uh, some of the some of the uh, youngsters from Twynham who who didn't go to church they just said we cannot believe how you guys look out for each other and look out for us that's totally unique and and this is this is at a time when a survey was going around that many many young people felt on their own and that they couldn't trust anyone and i think our kids love that trust and friendship they um they live elsewhere they still um keep in touch with their friends from Lansdowne they they uh, encourage each other and and they and they're still um very much involved with their various churches often serving in various ministries so i think powerfully getting youth together um going through and learning and walking with god is just so important uh, and of course, uh, it's also. I mean, you've already mentioned Soul Survivor. You know, as a, uh, for those of you who don't, well, maybe, maybe you should say, tell people what Soul Survivor is. So, Soul Survivor Church um, in Watford was set up really to focus on young people, to get young youngsters involved. Um, so they put the camps on. I think it's three weeks a year um, down the West Country uh, with worship and teaching. And it became uh, an event that thousands and thousands of youngsters turned up for. Um, and then R. Kerry went on to uh, enrol on the Soul 61 training program, where 33, 36 youngsters had accommodation, theo- theological teaching, and then practical um, involvement in the community. And R. Kerry said, that's the best year of my life. It was um, so uplifting for her. And of course, I mean, Lansdowne itself, I mean, you're still there. Children have gone, but they're still very much involved yeah. in Christian life all over the place, really. Um, but of course, Lansdowne has just reopened, having gone through quite a challenging uh, rebuild programme uh, of the church. And uh, it was interesting because I went down to have a look at the new building and uh, was sort of blown away. But I know that you're already getting very large numbers uh, there and so much is it six or seven hundred the main auditorium holds it holds yeah about six six seventy mm-hmm. i think it is um we we are getting good numbers we are um i think we're experiencing what many have experienced that is that young people have become quite um they've struggled with the detachment that covid oh has yeah caused. and of course mental health issues have have gone through the roof and you know, through, yeah. through the covid period yeah. So, so what we're trying to do really is to bring them back, you know, physically together as groups, starting to rebuild those relationships, which, um, which hopefully will will um, uh, grow as we go forward. Uh, well, uh, before we talk about Kerry in particular, and let, let's have your next piece of music because again, it sums, sums up that importance of, of church life and support for everyone, as well as in, in particular, of course, young people. And I think, yeah, the next one is Whilst I Wait, Lincoln Brewster. We live by faith and not by sight. Um, we don't understand a lot of what happens in life, um, but we trust in Jesus for everything. Romans 8, 8, that God works for the good of those who trust in him. So we go through difficult and dark times, um, which are not pleasant, but we come through.
Well, that's Lincoln Brewster there and While I Wait. Now, at the beginning of the programme, uh, I said to you that uh, as Christians, uh, we are not promised that that uh, all of our troubles and all our, of our challenges uh, will suddenly disappear. What we are challenged is that God promises to be with us in the challenges and to, to bring us through. That doesn't mean, of course, that we don't have to, to suffer pain. Now, one of the, the, the things, of course, Pete, that you and Gaynor faced was Kerry getting uh, very, very ill. When, when did it become apparent that that illness was quite serious? Well, I think if I just go back, so she finished Soul Survivor. She then went on, Kerry then went on to do a theology degree um, up in Watford. Um, and uh, so everything was, was rosy. She, she, we had the graduation at the end of uh, in about uh, October 2017, and um, an interesting at the time. Can I just put this in? Is that I, I was part of a little book club, three of us, and uh, one of the books we agreed. This was uh, a couple of uh, guys from Lansdowne. Was Heaven by Paula Gooder. So we read it, and I read it on holiday and made notes on it. Uh, came back and Kerry's degree congregation and it was all life was good and then Kerry uh, her eyesight deteriorated and uh, she was getting headaches so she went along to the doctor and uh, the doctor just said no I think uh, I think that's just a cold that you've got um, and so that was it she went home and she got a call from the doctor to say uh, I've been thinking about your Situation. I'm going to refer you to hospital just to to give a check in your sinuses. So she went along to Royal London, had a check, and they said you've got a tumour in your sinus. Um, did a biopsy, and they said it's a sarcoma cancer, um, and we're going to have to start giving you chemotherapy um, on the 27th of December. So go home for Christmas. Enjoy Christmas Day, but you're going to have to start chemotherapy then. So how did she take that news? How did you take that news? Oof, yeah. New to it. It was a new thing in our lives. Cancer had affected, um, yeah, older relatives in the past. But we had a 25-year-old who was full of life, full of fun, uh, and had a tumour. So I guess we've always had this view that we take one day at a time, that we've always believed that we're passing through life, um, have a light touch on it. I remember Chris Kelly always preaching on that. So we've always had that view, right, okay, we'll just deal with this. And, um, but it was tough. It's, it was a tough start to get our heads around. I remember Gaynor and I, when we got the news, uh, a bit shocked, a bit shocked. We were shocked, um, and we went down the pub and just just had a drink and just had time to ourselves to think about it. And of course, it would have it is it, something that would have impacted the whole family, like mm. her siblings and so on, and and even of course, uh, you know, your your children from your previous yeah marriage. How, how did how did they they cope? I mean, they've they have a faith. So it's immediately there is a trust. How much trust we all have is all relative, I guess. But it's about saying, OK, um, you know, this this is tough going. Uh, Rianne had just started uh, university up in Cardiff. So that was a she just started um, literally the month before. Um, so it was a big bolt out of the blue. Um yeah, so so a big shock. Come at Christmas Day was um, Christmas was a time for us all to be together um, and really to talk it through. Can you remember that Christmas and the things that you shared? Uh, can I remember that Christmas Day? Yes, because I had a bit like a norovirus. And I had to go upstairs in bed and chat with everybody uh, from your bed <laughs> on on FaceTime. <laughs> um, so you you were quarantined. Added layers, Blair. Mm. <laughs> it was 
added layers of complication didn't need that but yeah. okay um but yeah no we i guess we were all saying god will walk with us day by day especially you kerry um chemotherapy is is a toughie they they said that they were going to give her the heaviest dose they possibly could and uh and i remember going up with her uh, well her first day um of having chemo where one of her friends went up with her and there was this innocent lovely girl starting out on a journey and, and as her da- her dad and indeed Gaynor as her mom did did you have a, a sense of not of hopelessness but you know as parents you know here was a a, a, a child uh, that you had brought up and loved uh, all of her life and and to feel a sense of there's not much that we can that we can do here mm. there there is that i think i mean i've i've heard people saying they get angry with god and um I, we never asked why because we live in a broken world and that is fundamental to everything it, it is not as god intended it through all the wrongdoing in our lives that that break um on how things should be um is perpetuated from adam right through to us we we continue to do wrong so we accept that we live in a broken world that carries illness god wasn't the author of that but that he would walk with us and uh that that things would turn out that good would come from it although um it wasn't good now what about carrie herself because you've already said that she was quite passionate about her faith and 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 that remained really right the way through didn't it you you must have been so encouraged by the way that she herself reacted to to really facing facing death you know in the face she must always have known that that was a possibility well, Ker- Kerry was always such a big character. Um, she was funny. She was exuberant. She was energetic, and she she was a, 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 a she was a glue that that brought people together. Um, but she she never really complained about it. I know that's a cliche. I mean, she she had her dark moments. Of course, she did. And uh, you know, I remember once she she walked along the beach and she had a real one-to-one with god about it how (laughs) unhappy she was about what was happening but but she trusted and um she had her hashtag choose joy which she blogged about and you know she was determined that she was gonna make the most of every day and the other thing of course she worked for a, a charity in watford that got sex workers off the streets and uh trained them up in skills to get them into employment so that they didn't have to work on the streets and Kerry would go marching into brothels speak to the madams and um, basically demand to speak to the girls and have a chat with them <laughs> so she was a she was a feisty character oh, I'd say well let's have the the next uh, piece of music uh, yet not I but Christ through me why this one I mean really this is this is the foundation of our faith that Jesus died and rose again and um, and we praise our Lord giving glory to him through all situations and it's also the fact that that we sh- we don't get a lot of um, teaching on it but we look forward to eternity to when heaven and earth come together where we physically live in a new uh, transformed world and that's something that we've got to look forward to it's not about the now we do what we can now and god leads us now but it is that future hope that we have and um that that book by on heaven by paula gooder was amazing preparation that we had for this and the song just epitomizes that Ninety point one Hope FM and HopeFM.com. 
And my very special guest today is uh, Pete Bryan. And uh, just before the break there, we were talking about Kerry getting the diagnosis of, 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 of a cancerous growth in her, in her brain. In a, it's her sinus. Or in her sinus, yeah. And, and, and of course, that, that prognosis was, was not good. How, how, what was the journey like from that point on? Because it was, it was quite a lengthy journey, really, uh, over, over two years. Yeah, so she started treatment um, up um, with uh, UCLH in London. And um, the, the chemotherapy they gave her was a really every three weeks, but it was, a, it was the heaviest dose that they could give her. And immediately the sickness and hair loss... Mm kicked in which um which is the very visual aspect of it but as those who've had cancer will know when they're on chemotherapy there are many other side effects that chemotherapy uh causes so that was unpleasant and also really tough mentally when you're going into a hospital feeling well at the end of the three-week cycle knowing that you're going to be having more chemo which will make you even worse and that took a lot of um, psychological strength uh, for Kerry to get through. Now also uh, an application was made by UCLH for Kerry to go and get proton beam therapy in America which was granted so Kerry and Gaynor flew out in March 2018 uh, for three months to Jacksonville in Florida so where she had proton beam therapy and chemotherapy at the same time so returned in uh so i i wasn't able to go out because medically i had i had an issue with uh, vertigo so i couldn't go so i hadn't you know i didn't see them for three months and when they came back in june um uh their kerry was um went and had checks and there was still live cancer uh in her sinus so uh, they basically said go away get yourself fit and healthy and we will operate to remove the cancer uh it at the end of the year in october 2018 so kerry had went into uh surgery had a five-hour operation to have the tumor removed uh, ended up in intensive care and remarkably she was out of intensive care within a day and the the scarring on her face was 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 minimal really um you would notice but it was minimal so that was a real result we had a follow-up with the surgeon who said you're clear go and enjoy your life and I remember a video of Kerry with her friends in London where they were all singing, she's a cancer beater. <laughs> and that was at the end of 2018. And um, in 2019, Kerry went for a routine check and she, she rang us and she said, oh, dad, they've, um, they've said, could somebody come with her for a follow up at the end of the month? So I said to her, Kerry, can you ask them whether that person should be a family member? And she came back to me and she said, yes. So Gaynor and I went up to UCLH and met Professor Whelan, who was her consultant. And he just said, I'm sorry, Kerry, but everything that we've tried to do with your treatment over the past um, year or so hasn't worked. And the cancer's returned in your lungs, in your back, um, and it's terminal weak can alleviate it but we can't cure it. we can treat it but we can't cure it so that was very much the the final blow february 2019 so immediately we went into a little side room and kerry said to me i'm okay it's you guys i worry about <laughs> and that was her first reaction and um so she went on some maintenance chemo to give her because they basically said with without treatment you'll likely live for six months with treatment maybe 12 months um, and she started on maintenance chemo and she was sick and she just thought no i'm not doing this and made the decision not to have any treatment whatsoever and then proceeded to book up a holiday for herself and 11 friends and 12 of them went out to Jamaica and had an absolute ball and she used the rest of her time to meet up with other friends 
go away with them, spend time with them, and to fulfil her hashtag, choose joy. And um, yeah, that was that was her way of living the final year. Um, and Professor Whelan, when she went back to see him periodically, his first question would be, so where have you been since the last time I saw you, Kerry? <laughs> <laughs> she had quite a story to tell. Then. Absolutely. And um, she never lost that drive or enthusiasm, seeing her racked with pain and gradually upping the morphine pads and on her arms and that to take the pain away. But... Um, she laughed her way through and she still chose joy every day what about other people you know uh, look looking in and you know both in the family and 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 external how, how did they react through that time well i always remember uh, tom at lansdowne preaching on not life at the uh, not light at the end of the tunnel but light in the tunnel which was so relevant because we saw light in the tunnel the reaction by so many was incredibly caring the prayer group that we had for Kerry that was that went far and wide up and down the country um, was uh, just continuous um, supportive and that included non-Christians as well on there who must have been impacted by just the the love that was shown um, I had other friends who I almost had to console them and say, it's okay, you know, Kerry knows where she's going. Um, yes, life will be short, but she's going to be in eternity, and um, she's okay with that. And then we had other other people who we uh, that we never saw of and still haven't. Do Just, you think that was because they, they couldn't cope or didn't know what, what to absolutely say. absolutely they just you know it was so devastating the news to them that yeah they 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 probably couldn't feel as though they could communicate properly so i mean it sounds to me that and i i know this to be true because there was Kerry very passionate working of course with people who were being trafficked a life of passion and deep faith in God but actually although her time was relatively short that the impact that must have been made on multiple lives and indeed still is being made because here we are talking about it (laughs) on the radio uh, is immense I mean it it would if she were here right now it would no doubt put an amazing smile on her face to know that that her life actually was still making a difference absolutely Kerry was um yeah for those who knew her she was she was assertive strong-willed and uh light up the room sassy was was one of the words <laughs> that was used an incredible amount and she was she was very determined um and she made she did make a massive difference uh, and she wrote as well uh, a blog some uh, for a company a christian company called something more um which which she basically said joy is not um is not happiness but it's contentment in knowing that you're walking in God's will. And um, that's what she had. Well, of course, uh, Kerry did come, was promoted. She was. <laughs> she got her, her reward. And the day of the funeral was actually not a day uh, of sadness. Uh, it was a day of sadness was there, of course, you know, because grieving is a process. And no doubt you and Gaynor and many others would have had to go through that. But there was also rejoicing for the life that had been lived. Tell us something about that day. It was a very strange day because um, because basically the, the week leading up to it, Kerry, Kerry was out with a couple of the friends um, in a wheelchair laughing away on the Monday. And as she progressed through the week, her health deteriorated very, very quickly, which surprised uh, many. And I spoke to her on the Thursday night. I read a piece out of Tim, uh, Tim Keller's book, My Rock, My Refuge from the Psalms, about heaven. And uh, she just said, that sounds nice. She she was ready to go. And, um, and one of the nurses said, uh, I think she's glimpsed heaven. Uh, she said, I can't be sure, but I, but I feel as though she had. Now, she died on the Saturday evening, the 21st of March. 
and the 23rd was the COVID lockdown. Now, I must just tell you that Kerry's room in the Macmillan unit had the whiteboard where nurses wrote everything that they needed to do. Kerry scribbled that. That was all wiped off, and she had a grid with the days of the week and who was coming in to see her and take her out. That was her planner. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, from that lockdown on Monday the 23rd, nobody was allowed to go in and see her and were communicated via iPads. Now, Kerry would not have coped with that at all. So she had the freedom right up to the final days. So God's timing was perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. So the funeral, of course, took place during lockdown. There was only 10 people, 10 of us as family that were allowed to be there. But we had over 3,000 viewings of her funeral online. And um, it, it was a wonderful celebration. And as Peter said, many people, Kerry packed more into 25 years than many do in a lifetime. And there was one song throughout all of that, of course, which is one of her favourites, uh, and to which there was a, a real visual tribute. Amazing tribute by Kez Navy. We're going to play it in a minute. Tell us about it. Kez, Kez worked so hard to, to get all the uh, archive photos of Kerry and videos, and because of her creative way, could, could insert those into the, into the piece. And so we had such a wonderful wonderful um uh tribute pictorial tribute to kerry and um it was accompanied by seasons hillsong which um which just yeah just what is why it's a special song really let's have a listen like the first Well, that's uh, Seasons there, of course, on the wonderful Hillsong uh, worship. And, of course, one of Kerry's favourite songs. It was. But she wrote a blog all the way through. And are you going to read us one or two uh, entries that she made in that blog? So uh, this was something that I, um, that I read out um, uh, at her funeral. Um, I just wanted to, to summarise Kerry's hashtag Choose Joy. She, she wrote, happiness, she realised, was circumstantial, an emotional reaction to situations, uh, often a response to things we enjoy. Joy, however, is something very different, something your soul experiences and your body responds to through knowing that inner fulfilment through God. And, and Kerry was absolutely um, assured uh, of her future and she said she acknowledged that Jesus had defeated death through his resurrection and, and quote given me the hope of eternal life in his new kingdom I am certain I'll meet Jesus face to face in heaven said Kerry not an ethereal place made from wispy clouds but a real physical place as real as planet earth where God resides and we will live eternally in peace and that was the hope that she really had and and the hope that we all had and um she also uh, wrote um from psalm 39 which i'll um i'll get up and uh, uh, and when i find it i'll um i'll quote it because i think that's really important oh here it is here psalm 39 verse 4 and 5 show me lord my life's end and the number of my days let me know how fleeting my life is you have made my days a mere handbreadth. the span of my years is as nothing before you everyone is but a breath even those who seem secure we live in a very very temporary state at the moment and uh, one day we will uh, god will call us home and of course, uh, the moment, even uh, Kerry's moment, whenever she passed over, the next piece of music we're going to play was what was actually playing yeah. uh, as, she, as she went to be with Jesus. But you're best to explain that moment to us. Yeah, no, she, so she died on the 21st, the, the Saturday night at 7 o'clock. As I said, we still all had the, the, the opportunity to be around her. So we had the whole family and close friends. And... Um, as she, just before she died, she turned her head very, very noticeably. And my daughter-in-law was praying a few days after, 
just about the whole situation and she just said she felt God really say to her that was the point that she saw Jesus and um, it was it we prayed and we thank God for loaning us Kerry um, during those years you know all of our children are loaned to us by God and uh, it's a privilege that we can uh, be custodians of them uh, for our Lord so and personally, we, ha- we uh, Gaynor and I, always had a total assurance that, uh, that Kerry would be with our Lord. And I have to say that since she died in, in March 2020, that assurance has just got stronger and stronger. She no longer has to choose joy every day, but she has it in abundance. And there's no better way, actually, of passing into the kingdom of heaven and seeing the face of Jesus than what is expressed in this song. Well, of course, that's uh, Phil Wickham there with uh, your beautiful... Uh, as as Kerry passed over into the kingdom. Of course, some people will say uh, that she's dead, no longer with us, but the truth of the matter is uh, she's more alive than ever, isn't she, Pete? Absolutely. <laughs> totally assured of that. And of course, not the least uh, in you uh, and in Gaynor and, and of course in all of the children because people never really die, do they? Because they, li- they live on. But of course, the reality is that that's not, not just something in our heads. It's a reality yeah. in heaven like yeah. the book you read. Yeah. Well, What's your final word? Do you know what? As an encouragement, uh, uh, one of the older members at Lansdowne said to me that um, the sting goes when somebody passes away, but the emptiness remains. And that's, and that's true. That's right. We can celebrate, but we can still have that emptiness because they, they are a massive part of our lives. But again, I, I would just reiterate, really, the fact that you know, my old mantra, which is we are passing through and live life to the full, but uh, have a loose, light touch on it because eternity uh, is there for us to look forward to. Pete, on that very positive, thank you so, so much. And, uh, and we go out of the programme uh, today uh, with a very uh, wonderful track, which, of course, summed up what, what Kerry did. The track is simply called I Surrender. The riches of this world will fade. This is Hope FM.